Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Take two. <laughs> we have a guest. Yes, it's we been do. a while since we've had a guest, so this is pretty exciting. I like guest days because I don't have to think as much. Yes, that's always that's always a plus. The guests <laughs> do the thinking for us, uh, which is which is refreshing. So I met Brad Uni at Carnage Con last November and sat at one of his games. We played his the unexplained game system, and I had a blast. It was it was really really big fun, and the four hours flew by. I went up there with with Chet. We all know Chet. Yeah, well, we and, do. <laughs> and uh, I instantly knew I had to invite him on the podcast to talk more about his games, running games at cons, and his future products. So it's Brad Uni. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the dojo. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad. It took us a while to kind of nail this date down, so I appreciate your patience. Oh, not a problem. And it's, it's great to have you. Well, like everybody else, we all have full-time jobs, so trying to squeeze things in, and then you know, we're always a lot of times we're dealing with time zones, and so yeah, it just it it can get a little a little hairy and sketchy sometimes. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're not professional podcasters that do this for a living. You could tell by listening to us, <laughs> uh, but we're not we're not making we're not making any kind of money yet. <laughs> yeah. And Hopefully so. We have, we have enough to buy at the dollar menu, buy dinner, but I, I think they did away with the dollar menu, so we're we're screwed. It's back to ramen. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll have to split that burger in half. Yeah. <laughs> and none of us are slate boys. That that sucks. <laughs> All right, so let's let's jump into this. Uh Brad, when and how did you get into tabletop RPGs? Well, it was a long time ago. Doing the math, I think it was around nineteen seventy-six. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, a friend of mine brought me to his friend's place and um, they to, to play this game I'd never heard of before. And it was D&D. And back then it was the original, you know, the white box with the pamphlets, with the booklets. And um, they, they gave me a character. We played. We did a couple sessions and then school and stuff got in the way and and then they moved. <laughs> and so I didn't see them for, so, so then I didn't, you know, do anything with the game until um, I was in sixth grade and I had just finished reading the Lord of the Rings and I wanted more. Um, and I remembered this game. And after racking my brain for a while, trying to remember what was it called, um, I, I found it and, uh, badgered my parents into getting it for me and um and so i got you know ad and d first edition and bits and pieces of dungeons and dragons because i didn't know at the time that they were not quite the same but i made them work and um been playing ever since yeah it's, it's how a lot of us got into it was uh <laughs> the lord of the rings opened the door the lord of the rings and yeah. and, and conan yeah, it was Conan. Uh, yes, very much. Kind of opened the door. <laughs> yep. But you got you got started pretty early. You were back during the Carter administration. Yep. Yep. I've been through a few. <laughs> Here's a question for you. How hard was it to talk your parents into getting the game for you? Um, boy, to be honest, 
they didn't really know what it was. And it was mainly my mother that I badgered. And uh, she just thought, oh, it's a game. <laughs> and so she didn't know anything about it. So she's like, oh, you want a game? And she was only really worried about the price price tag. Uh, so, played, uh, well. Yeah. played well. Played <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my grandma got me mine. And, and then, wow. of course, the satanic Ooh. panic hit, and she was mortified being like a Roman Catholic Polish lady. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a French Roman Catholic mom, so yeah. yeah. Sacrificing yeah. babies and all that stuff. like yeah, we wor- Demon worshiping in the cellar. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. A good time. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids don't know what you missed. <laughs> <laughs> the book burnings. Oh. Talking in secret languages. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the... The, the clandestine meetings in the school hallway. Yeah. I, I had met one time this guy who uh, was, he would, he would get the newsletter um, from the little magazine from the uh, Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. And they had a special occult edition one. And this was, you know, like when I was in my late teens and, um, and, you know, he actually watched us play D and D. And he was like, I don't see anything wrong with this. <laughs> and um, he had got, he had gave me a copy of that special occult edition one. And, and we had fun. Uh, it, it was, you know, all about D and D and the Smurfs and all these other things that are evil. And uh, you know, it, it was, it was fun uh, reading through the, uh, the D and D thing, looking, looking up all their quotes and finding that um, they were all fake quotes <laughs> that weren't in the books um so it was really interesting yeah what is it about smurfs i had neighbors growing up and i had an extensive smurf collection um, <laughs> and my neighbors my neighbors were freaked out like oh yeah freaked out and and there there was some crazy stuff like you know, do they dance around at night while everybody's asleep and like well i don't know everybody's <laughs> asleep if they're dancing around then they're being kind of quiet but on Saturday yeah. mornings, they look pretty nice. So even if they are <laughs> dancing, no big deal, right? Yeah. I, I think the magazine said something like, like, um, all magic is evil. And the Smurfs are especially evil because they lure children with cute and cuddly uh, uh, characters. So wow, it's just that. And you know, no they, mention they whatsoever. They didn't like Ronald McDonald either. Be, because, really? you know. Saint, well, yeah, because you know his commercials, he would do magic. Oh yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> not as wholesome as the Burger King uh, or no, Wendy. No, I guess not. <laughs> I, yeah, who was a dictator? <laughs> I'm I'm surprised they they didn't mention that there's like a hundred of them and only one female. So I'm yeah, sure somewhere's I mean, I, in there they made mention. They had to have. I, that's got to be. They, they might have. I I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's that would have been my first thing, my go-to. Yeah. So how did you start running games? And tell our listeners about your particular style of game mastering. Okay. Um, well, um, I got started actually pretty much right away. Um, you know, when, when I remembered that game uh, back in sixth grade, you know, I remembered it. My uh, my friend was actually going to be coming over and for a sleepover um, that day, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, and I couldn't remember what the name of the game was, but I remembered it had, you know, the game master had had graph paper with a map with a labyrinth drawn, and he used dice, and we used dice, 
And so I just like scarfed up a ton of uh, D6s from various board games. And I, I took a, a piece of graph paper and I sketched out a, uh, I drew out a, a labyrinth and I filled it with creatures from the Lord of the Rings and mythology. And we just like stayed up all night. I, I just ran it because he had never heard of this before. And, and we just kind of completely fudged it and we had the greatest time. And so from that point on, you know, when I bought the game, so I was the one who had the rules. And so I was, I, I just naturally was the GM. And, um, so, um, and when it comes to my style, I, I'm very much a theater of the mind uh, gamer. Um, so I have used, I use minis on occasion, but it's generally just so that, you know, if we get into a tactical situation so that we could see where everybody is in relation to everybody else. But I don't put, I don't go into, you know, Unless we're playing D and D, which really, you know, everybody wants that kind of thing um, in D and D. Um, generally, I don't really go in for like, you know, how many squares you get to move and and stuff like that. We, you know, it, it whatever whatever makes sense for the story, whatever, you know, yeah, you could probably you you could probably get across to to you know to that door in in one round. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's really more about the story and about the characters and, um, and the interactions and all of that. And when there's action, it should be fun and cinematic and, and um, crazy and chaotic. <laughs> Do you think you, your, uh, your style of game mastering has, has evolved over the years? Oh yeah, a lot. Um, you know, I, I started off, I started off, um, being more about the only game I knew was D and D and it was first edition. And so it was very crunchy, very, you know, dungeon crawl and, and very much, you know, not, not so much into story. And, um, and that's how I played it for years, <laughs> decades, probably, um, actually until, it was in 1999 where I finally got kind of sick of playing D&D the way I had been playing it. And I wasn't sure what it was I was looking for until I ran a uh, play-by-email game. And one of the players just was doing full-on story mode with his character. And I totally loved it. And I realized that's what I was missing in my games. And... and um a, f a friend told me that year in 1999 that there were other role-playing games that focus on stories. And that's when I got into all the others. And um, so it, it definitely evolved. And, you know, I was, I was playing more, more by the rules. I, I mean, I, I, I was loose. I've, I've always been kind of loose on a lot of the nitty gritty of the rules, but um but it wasn't until then that I that I really started opening up and getting into the um, into the more story oriented games in in style. Do you have a regular game you play in or that you run? Um, at the moment, I well, it kind of. Um, I have uh, two games that I'm currently in. 
Um, one is a Friday night uh, D&D game. Uh, we play 5th edition, and it's actually my son is the GM, which is awesome. Um, I've been, I've been, you know, always the GM, always. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and so I, I've, I, I am actually, I kind of feel like I'm a newbie at a play, as a player. And, um, and so the, it's been really great having my son uh, kind of, you know, pass the torch over to him a bit and have him run. And he's getting really good as a GM. And, um, and so I've been playing in that. And then um, I, ha- I host a, um, a um, once a month game, uh, a monthly game, which we run kind of like a convention where uh, we have in it and we use uh, a Facebook group to, to organize it, to schedule. Um, and we, we treat it like it's a convention event. So um, we have a different, different person volunteers to run a game. It can be any game system, the rule. And the only rules are the GM has to bring characters already pre-made characters and, and um, the players don't have to know the system before we play. You know, we could just, and we just sit down at noon and start playing. And we, we used to do it in person at my place, but of course lately because of COVID and stuff, um, we've been playing it on Discord. We did that um, for about a year. With, yeah. with, um, it was strictly with Fifth Ed, but um, it, was, it was fantastic because we had – it was a little over a year we did that. Th- yeah, yeah, we yeah. we have yeah. a pretty big group, so uh, people people come and go, mm-hmm. you know, based on their schedule. So we did it episodic, and we had a new GM jump in, and we had very few yep. rules. The you know the uh, we each made three characters. We could use any one of those three characters on any one of the adventures we wanted, and they would commit to one session, or two, or three, or mm-hmm. four. Um, and it was it was great. We had people running games that never ran games before, and they were really good. Awesome! That's awesome. Yeah, we, we, yeah it, the, it was all in one city with three characters, so you had the same reference points, but yeah, you changed one person out. The dynamic of the entire group changed. Oh, definitely, definitely it was fun. Yeah, that's that sounds great. It's a, that's a little different from what 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 I do with with our monthly game because we 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 try to keep it down to one shots. So, so that way, you know, like we played City of Mist yesterday, actually, um, which I had never played before, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I'd never heard of it. Um, so we, so we played just all kinds of different games. Um, you know, I, I ran the uh, the One Ring Second Edition because I did the Kickstarter. Um, um, I ran that last month. It was, it, it's just, you know. Just different games, different everything every every month. It's it's a lot of fun. That's cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. When when you run, um, and you run a game and it's your regular game that you know every mm-hmm. week or or whatever have you, how is that different than when you run your convention games? Well, um, well, it's very different for me. My my experience of it is very different because uh, I get different people at the conventions. I never know who I'm going to get and how they're going to play, and all of that. So so um, so, you know, it, it's it's always just really exciting for me that way. But I mean, you know. And now it's time for a break. 
Come play games with the Dungeon Masters Dojo at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. We're pleased to be attending the New England's hottest new gaming convention from April 22nd to the 24th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Milford, Massachusetts. There are going to be games, vendors, and panels. If you're a GM, a great way to support Rising Phoenix Game Con is to run some games. If you're a gamer, you can support Rising Phoenix Game Con by buying tickets and attending the convention. Rising Phoenix Game Con is organized by friend of the podcast, Scott Legault, and a group of amazing gamers. You can check them out over at risingphoenixgamecon.com. You can get your tickets and sign up for games over at tabletopevents.com. Early registration is now open. We hope to see you at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. Links will be in the show notes. Welcome back. If I'm running a regular game, then then I can have bigger stories, big you know, bigger plots, bigger stories, full, you know, kind of a full campaign. I can have the mystery or whatever it is I'm running um, pan out and and be more immersive. Uh, where where at a convention, it's a one shot, and so you, you got these short stories that have to that have to. You got four hours to play it, and you got to have your ending by within that time. You know. So, so it's definitely a different situation. I enjoy, I enjoy both. It's an art form. I've, I've sat at tables at conventions and have uh, marveled at the ability to tell, to be able to tell a, a, an engaging story from start to finish in four hours is, is huge. You know, when you have an entire year to tell an engaging story, it's, right. it's easy. Right, right. And you never know. Well, especially at a convention, you don't know these people you're playing with. So you don't know if you don't know who's going to be the, the, you know, like if anyone's going to be distracting or, or go off or if they're going to go off on tangents or, you know, you, you, that, and that could slow the game down. And, and at a con, you can't let that happen too much. And so, so it can, it can be a challenge. It's like wrangling cats sometimes. Yeah, 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 or greased pigs. I I used to run games at conventions quite a bit in the 80s and 90s. And I was going to say, it's like wrangling children sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and you see, you're right. You see every style, you see every person, and and you look at the group, and sometimes you you can kind of guess by seeing the people. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes, but not all the time. And, you know, that that quiet little individual going, well, there's a meek little person. I want a person with them. And all of a sudden they're like going gangbusters on the table on you. Oh, yeah. And you you want to give them at least some of their freedom to do that. You know, you want them to be themselves and to play the way they like to play. But at the same time, you have to be cognizant of the time, you know. Yeah. So so it, it, it can be a balancing act. You planning on going back to Carnage next year? Oh yeah, oh nice. yeah. Um, I I have my room booked. I think already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've uh, I've booked mine uh, as well. Like two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think I should call them just to make sure because I I can't remember if if I was if they were allowing you to book it at the time. So I I might have to double check. Um, but yeah, I'm planning on being there. That's great. I'll definitely look for your game. There. So tell yeah. our listeners about your game, um, your games, and why you chose the system you chose. Sure. Um, well, okay. I, I've got two role playing games. Uh, the first one that I published was called Now Playing, 
And uh, the concept of that, whoops, um, the concept of that was um, you, it's, it was all about uh, taking television shows and turning them into role-playing games and, um, and how to do that. And, and more importantly, how uh, it, it tells the uh, GM how to plan and run their games, their campaigns, so that it has the same pacing as the TV show. And um, it, it, it stemmed from, from two things. One was, was that I had played in like a Buffy game, I, I played in a Buffy game once and a Stargate SG-1 game. And both times, they felt like great RPGs, and we had a lot of fun, but it didn't feel like the show at all. <laughs> and um, and then the other was that I was reading a, a, a book on uh, TV script writing, and I saw that there are certain tricks that TV script writers do to keep the pacing right and that they have to do in order for the timing and everything. And I realized that's what the games were missing. And so I kind of worked out a, a semi-formal way of, of working that. So that's what now playing is. And so it's genre fluid. There's no genre. There's no, there's no direct setting. It's, it's take any TV show setting and play it. And so I needed a system that was easy to learn, um, that was very story-oriented, um, and had a free license. <laughs> um, so, uh, and this was back in, it, it came out in 2003. So that was kind of hard to find. <laughs> it was originally, I was originally going down the route of D20 because they had the OGL, but... Um, you know, it, it worked great until the gunfight started, and then then it got too crunchy and, and the game slowed down, and um and so it didn't work. So I chose Fudge, um and I love Fudge because it's rules light, it's very story and character driven, so it it fit my needs, but also it's structured kind of like a toolkit. Where it's like, like if you were to get the Fudge Tenth Anniversary book, the, the the big hardcover of it, it's basically here are the here are a whole lot of here are the basic mechanics, and then here are a whole lot of ways in which you can do it, <laughs> and you can pick and choose what you want to do, and you can put put it together and kind of build your own game system using their base, and um, and that's what Evil Hat did when they created Fate. Only they they kind of went. You know, they used fudge as its root, but then they they did a whole lot of their own stuff, which is cool. Um, and where I where I chose to stay, kind of closer to to standard standard fudge build, and um, I thought that would be a good idea to to kind of keep, um, you know, be, be, because then everybody who already knows fudge knows how to play my game, and that would be really good. Um, and it worked and it, it was, it was good. I chose it because it was, it, it fit my needs and the unexplained, um, uses the same system, just a, a modified up, upgraded version of it. And, um, and because that game is all about paranormal investigation and looking for ghosts and Bigfoot and stuff, the game system works really well with that. Uh, be, again, because it's, it's, it's light and story oriented. 
I, I love the rules light kind of story heavy systems. And with with our group, it's it's a bunch of old men that have been playing for a long, long period of time. So, you know, that the, the story driven and RPG stuff comes really easy to them. Mm-hmm. And and we're fortunate because they're well, it's a double edged sword because they're all very clever. <laughs> you know, so you have the good fortune of having a clever uh group of individuals at your table that will you know, role play their asses off. But on the other end, they're clever. And yeah. no matter how much planning you do, they're always going to throw you a curveball. Um, right. But that, that keeps it really entertaining. I, I love, I don't know not enough about the fudge system, but I really like the fate system. With fate, fate doesn't really feel much like fudge, but um, it's got more rules. It's, it's actually heavier on rules than, than fudge. You know, it, at its core, you roll the four, the four fudge dice, or fate dice, they're the same same thing. They just changed the name, and um, you you calculate it out more or less the same way. And but but then fate takes over and and you know has has all their stuff on top of it. You can if you knew fudge, you would sort of see the fudge in fate. But if if you know fate, fudge is very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I've played both systems, so so we had no idea you were a writer as well. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your stories. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've been, I've been, I, I actually started writing in fifth grade the same time that I got introduced to D and D actually. Um, and uh, so I've been writing all my life and uh, it's only been fairly recently that I've been able to finish a story. <laughs> um, and um, that, that was always a hard thing for me because I have ADHD. So that makes it challenging. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, I write both novels and short stories. Um, and most of my stories end up being novels because I, I, I tend to, you know, my stories always tend to be big. Um <laughs> And so I have, uh, and most of the novels that I've written so far have been uh, urban fantasy, kind of in line with like the Dresden Files. I currently have one book currently available called Bad Luck, and um, it's 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 a novel. It's available wherever books are sold. There's a, a private investigator, a, a filthy rich, actually, um, private investigator who's a private investigator because. He wants to be, and um, not you know because he's living off his his parents' money, and um, and he uh, has some magical abilities that he can't understand and he can't explain why he has them, and he um, understands that there are things in this world that are hiding in plain sight that he can see and nobody else can, and so he um, he's trying to trying to learn about that and learn more about himself. And in doing so, he takes cases involving the occult and the paranormal. And, um, you know, so, so he takes on a case in, in this book that, that runs him afoul of fairies and more. Um, so it's, it's that kind of thing. I have another book coming out um, actually like within a month or two. Um, that's a YA urban fantasy, and it's set in the same world. So I have this kind of shared universe that that I'm building a lot of my stories into. 
and I've, I've got several books written and in various stages of edited and ready. Um, so, uh, and I'm writing a new one now. So that, so that's, you know, I've been very busy. My short stories have primarily been sword and sorcery, which I love. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we touched upon this a little bit, but what upcoming okay. projects should we be looking for? Ah, okay. Um, so I've, I've been, um, I've been working on, I've been working on a couple projects off and on over the years. Um, and I have, uh, much more recently, uh, kind of picked up development of them. And, uh, one of them is an adventure book. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's a campaign book, but it's an adventure book of cases that all take place in new England so New England is the theme. I've been working on that and I'm, I'm working very, you know, I'm, I'm very active on it right now, trying to get it done and get that done. And I plan on uh, running a Kickstarter to get funding so that way it can be, you know, nice hardcover color, you know, if, if possible. The other, the, other pro, the other big product is a crypt, cryptozoological or cryptid um, monster manual which um, I'm actually, (laughs) yeah, that, that one I've been working on for a very long time, but, but I'm quite a ways into it. I'm, I'm like almost like, like around, like around halfway through it. And I'm, I'm back now actively working on that one too. Um, So it's going to be kind of a combination of actual cryptids. When I say real cryptids, I got to use air quotes because, you know, they're not proven, but, um, but they're real in that there have been people who have reported it (laughs) and there, there's actual sightings and and stuff. And then, and then there's also going to be a bunch of them that, that are made up um, just, you know, to, to add, to add spice and variety, because I've found that a lot of the cryptids that have been seen are all awful lot alike. So, um, so, so to add some variety to it and and some spice, that there there are some that are made up, but they're presented as though they as, as though they are um, real, and um, but the ones that actually are considered real or you know from real sightings, uh, they'll be marked. They'll they'll so that way. Uh, that's one of my key things in the the unexplained is I like to. Um, I like to delineate between what is made up for the game and what is, and what is actual, you know, real paranormal stuff. Um, so, um, so that way anyone who's a paranormal buff would, would know, Oh, okay. This creature is, has supposedly actually been cited, but this one hasn't, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I do have a, uh, investigator's journal, so it's kind of a, a, a book that you can fill out your character sheet in and have and um, take case notes and all of that. Um, and that's going to release. I'm, I'm playtesting it right now. And so um, so that's, that's going to release uh, fairly soon. Um, and I'm creating a new, a brand new role-playing game with a, with a brand new system. That, that's a big project that it, I've been working it on. It sounds like you got a lot going on then. There's a lot to look forward to. I do. I keep myself busy. <laughs> Where can we find your stories? Um, my stories, um, you, I mean, techni- yeah, okay. Uh, bradunie.com is my, is my um, website. 
and that's where you can get all the info about it. You can join my email list. If you join my email list, you automatically get one of my short stories as a free download. You know, that that's where you, you that's where you get, you know, the the cover reveals, the the all the info, um, and the where to buy um uh, for the ones that are available. And that's B R A D. And uni is Y-O-U-N-I-E for those interested. Um, right. Dot com. And so that's that's the place to go uh, for my writing, for my books. Um, How about the games? The games. That's carnivoregames.com. So that's uh, that's the, the publishing company I go by. And um, so carnivoregames.com has all the information about it, um, tells you where to go to get it. And all of that. And you know you're on the right spot because they have a cute dinosaur <laughs> um, right next to Carnivore Games. And yes. Uh, and the Unexplained is right up there on, on that main page there, that home page. Yep. yep. That's the one that I'm currently pushing. So, yeah. And there's there's a lot going on. This is just, and that's pretty exciting. I, I love a good Kickstarter, especially if if someone I know is the one behind it. Um, <laughs> so I'll be I'll be looking forward to that, and I certainly hope that you keep us uh, updated on on that. Oh, I sure will. Um, I sure will. Now, the thing I'm I'm most excited about. Well, first of all, before I before I get all giddy, um, <laughs> Brad has been gracious enough to. Send us a copy of the unexplained, a nice hardcover book. Um, Thank you for so, that, sir. We're passing it yeah, around. Yep. Um, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be well worn by the time we're all done reading it. We're gonna we're gonna do a review of that game um, in a couple weeks. So for our listeners, keep keep your eyes mm-hmm. open for that. Ears ears open. Keep you, you know, lend us <laughs> lend us your ears. Um, when they stare at the mic, it just looks creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the big thing for me, anyway, and I, and I and I know Bill and Lou are kind of kind of jazzed about this. Is uh, Brad has graciously agreed to run us through an adventure using the unexplained. We talked about that, so thanks for that, Brad. That's, That's awesome. something that <laughs> we're you, all sir, looking man. forward to. Yep. So keep your ears out for that because it'll be dropping. We're gonna do that. We're gonna record it and and edit it, and that'll be dropping on the Dungeon Masters Dojo in the near future, probably on Wednesdays for a little bit. And that's something we're, we're excited about, and we're doing that so you get an idea of how the gameplay feels and sounds. Um, I've played it. I had a great time playing the game. So I think for those of you out there that are interested in something a little bit different, uh, this is it. This is, this is just, just what the doctor ordered, so to speak, to you know, step away from whatever you've been doing for a long period of time to get a break and try something a little different. And Scott's been particularly looking forward to this because he's constantly whining about how he does never gets to play. I don't know if all I, call I it go. Whining. Oh. I'd- it's whining. It's, it's whining. whining. It's I, whining. I, I got to put a bib around you just to catch <laughs> got, the tears. Yeah, yeah. Just kind. Of, oh, if only I could play a game. All I ever do is I game mastered for forty freaking years. Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm getting close to that forty mark. Um, so I'm I'm allowed to be a little cranky about it. It's a complaint. It's not a whine. It's a complaint. A uh, complaint? All those in favor it's of wine, raise your mic. I'm like, I. 
All right, and that's an evening with Brad Uni. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day. <laughs>